Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 728, recording today on Wednesday, the 14th of September, 2022. Uh, this is the Music Technology Podcast, where we talk about things to do with music technology, amongst other things. We've also got a new feature, which seems to be proving very popular. If you've got any questions for the panellists, uh, you just type QQ and then your question in the live comments, mostly on YouTube, but it will take it on Twitch and uh, Twitter if you at Sonic State as well. So do send them in and uh, we'll build them up if we don't get through to them actually for this show, but we will get around to them eventually. There's We've got a big pile of them coming up now. There's a whole lot, but we've also got guests. Uh, but I want to say thank you very much to our friends over at Isotope and also Baby Audio, uh, both uh, supporting the show. Uh, Isotope, if you use the code SONIC10 at checkout, you can save yourself 10% on pretty much anything there apart from subscriptions and hardware. And Baby Audio, I believe it's... Uh, oh, I'll have to remember now. I should have had this written down. Uh, it's an impromptu. Yeah, ST15. If you use the code ST15, you'll save 15% at uh, checkout there. So lots of savings, and we thank them for their continued support. Much appreciated. Uh, want to say also, if you're interested in joining us on Patreon, I've just want to, I want to plug this because we're putting a lot of energy into Patreon. So I'll play this now. I pre-recorded this week. I've even got it together. Why not consider supporting us on Patreon? Very affordable. In fact, we've posted a whole bunch of stuff recently. Uh, we've also got uh, the Yuhi MFM 2.5 additional footage, uh, which is the more feedback machine from uh, Yuhi. There's some extra exclusive stuff there, as well as exclusive Knobcon short uh, float floor show walk with our man Jim Hayward from Ear Monkey Music. He posted something. There's more videos actually coming onto the regular YouTube output from him very soon. We've also got Sonic Talk, exclusive ad freeze and uh, pre-show posted there, as well as uh, lots of downloads. There's patches, there's sample instruments in decent uh, sampler format, which is a cross-platform free format. And also, if you fancy joining us by the end of the show and you join at the upper layer, which is uh, the Sonic State Star, your name will appear in the end credits. So if you're quick, you'll get there. By the way, we've just introduced a 12-month subscription, so you can join, pay a year in advance, and I think it's 12 or 15% off. So once again, if you already do support us, thanks very much. If you haven't already, then please consider it. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm, try I'm trying to get it together. I've got to get into the habit of doing this. It's, it's kind of a, a bit alien to me. But anyway, lovely to have uh, our guests. Uh, I'll start with Mr. Rich Hilton. We haven't had Rich for such a long time. Rich, of course, being on the road with Sheik. Last time I saw you, Rich, I, I think was actually in person, wasn't it? It was in Bristol. We went and had a meal. I don't know if you came. You haven't been on since then, right? I don't think I have been on since then. But we had a great time. And that was nice yeah. seeing you and Andy and Gaz. And uh very, it makes the tour more special when I get to share it with my friends. Yeah, so you've been you were on the road for like a really long time. So how long have you been back? Are you back? Are you back? Kind of is that is that it for a while, or do you get now get into the autumnal kind of more local uh, stuff? Because you you're you've been in the US with Duran Duran support as well, haven't you? Right. So we did three months uh, in various parts of Europe in the UK. And then we came home and we had maybe five or six days off. And then we picked back up with Duran Duran in, the, in North America and did some shows with them. And in the middle of that, we ran back to Europe briefly and did a couple of shows in Monaco. And then we ran back and did some more shows with Duran Duran in North America. And now that part has rested and I've been home for a few days. And tomorrow I'll go to Detroit where we'll do a an auto show. Um, wow. Okay. And then, and then next week, uh, at the end of the week, we'll do a festival in Arkansas, which is a new one for me, festivals in Arkansas. So that should be interesting. And, um, so and it's going to be, I think from now, I think for the rest of the year, it's going to be down and back one-offs, you know, where I go play a gig and come home kind of thing. So I think the extended part of the thing, is going to subside for a while and it'll just be one-offs going to gigs and coming home <laughs> nice well it's lovely to have you rich it's been fun you. um, you've missed you've missed a couple of things uh well, a new uh, uh panelist in the shape of uh paulie alex bow uh 
actually, before we go any further, I want to say massive congratulations to Paulie and his uh, partner, Rebecca, for the birth of their baby, uh, Fenn. Uh, all, all well and good. I know he was kind of waiting. and It was like, am I going to be able to do the show? My baby, but all mother and baby and everybody's well. And it looks like, I think, uh, I suggest a period of adjustment, perhaps not coming on the show for a little while, who's going to be doing all of that new father stuff. Uh, and so it's really lovely, really, really lovely news. Congratulations to you all. Anyway, uh, and we also have Mr. Matt Hodson. Matt Hodson is there uh, in his, uh, well, I guess this might be, uh, you know, one of the last times we see you in this place because you're going to be moving soon, right? Yeah, I am. Yeah. And I can't wait, really. Um, next stage for me is, yeah, building my own studio, um, probably in my back garden, I think. So um, I'm probably, I might even um, let people know how I'll put all that together and, and the process of that, if anyone's interested, I'll probably yeah. do it on my YouTube or something like that. Um, but, um, yeah, I haven't been out touring with Duran Duran um, myself. <laughs> but I am I am expecting the phone call. Um, so, you know, Simon, <laughs> when you need me, man, you know, let me know, Mr. LeBron. Hungry like, the, hungry like the wolf. Well, uh, yes. also Matt, of course, uh, has, has has been doing some. Uh, we've got the Percon, uh, said Percons HD, which has been looking at. If you're followers on Patreon, you'll have had the opportunity to ask a few questions. That's going to be coming up. I think I'm going to be publishing that tomorrow, actually. Um, oh, so that's I know, and there's some more stuff coming up from you. And I know you've been uh, you've been wrestling, and I know it's difficult when you start doing the the whole new video workflow. It's a bloody nightmare, and I do feel for yeah. you. I will I help you as much as I can, and I think perhaps a, a one to one session might help you just kind of iron out some so, yeah. the kinks but it's a it's a it's a it's a learning process it, it really is it really is anyone thinking of getting into doing the kind of any sort of reviews or anything like that and getting their audio video sorted out i mean if you've got to take nick's example what they do on sonic state it's so well lit it's so well done it's so well edited it's unbelievable how much goes into all of this. So I'm just, I'm trying to get up to next level, everybody. <laughs> I'm trying my best. And um, I, I apologize. And further, if, no uh, doubt. The perk ones is, you know, <laughs> it took me three times to film. I hope it's useful. If it's not, tell me and I'll just do it again, everyone. But um, yeah, um, if you're on Patreon, I think you've already got that one up there. Duran Duran must go modular with mass. Yes, Duran Duran. A Matt's <laughs> collaboration should happen. Um, the perk ones, by the way, I won't give too much weight, but I've loved playing with it. I did a live jam with it last night. I've, I've fallen in love with this drum machine. I think, I think honestly, it's going to be one of those. Um, it's going to be one of those people going to be talking around for a while. Um, tonight, I'm I'm doing another live stream. If I can just quickly plug this, Nick. Yeah, of course. Um, I gave myself a task. Um, I've received this, which is the Make Noise XPO which is a stereo oscillator, um, and it's got 11 outputs simultaneously. So I've given myself the task of making a track tonight using nothing but this as the oscillator and all of the outputs simultaneously. Um, so it could go absolutely chaotic, but um, I've, had, I've had this for about a week, and I've really got into it. It's really interesting, the wave folding that you can do on it, and just all that available output... Um, it's a really, really interesting modular. It, I'm, I'm hoping what it'll do is actually replace me having multiple oscillators, which you've got to tune every time, you know, get them all. I was going to say, it'll definitely be in tune, won't it? That's for it'll, sure. <laughs> how can it not be? Yeah, it's one oscillator, but all those individual outputs, if you use them in a particular way through VCAs and filters and that kind of thing, you can make it sound like you've got 11 different oscillators going. So um, I'm probably be doing that about, half past six, seven o'clock tonight, UK time, if you want to join me and ask any questions about the XPO, because it's only really just come out, um, yeah. do, do give me a shout. Excellent. Well, nice one. Thank you very much for letting us know about that. It's great. Uh, yeah. So, um, well, we'll we'll crack on with some topics. There, there, there are some. I'm just trying to find what's coming up first. Let's have a look. Let's go. Well, uh, this came out a little while ago. It was one of those ones that came out the um, slightly later than that the, that week's show, so we are a bit late on this, but it's still it's still uh, extremely relevant. So this is Yamaha Modi X Plus, which is I mean it's a really actually cool piece of kit. Uh, I did some uh, synth jams with it and had a look at it. It's a great sounding instrument. What they've done is basically 
made it more. So you get 250, I think it's, if I'm right with this, I think it's 256 AWM2 voices plus 256 FMX voices. Plus, I think they've upped the RAM in it because it's got a load of flash RAM with all the sort of PCM samples. And it's like more, I think it's doubled, so it's really getting close to the whole montage world, but uh, a fraction of the price. And uh, I think a lot of people tend to shy away from these. You know, you're either a, a, a Yamaha workstation person or you're not. And I think it's an interesting. Well, I think I think it's kind of an interesting move because, like I say, I did a whole bunch of stuff with it, which was. Um, I think I did a couple of Friday fun jams and you can create those little pattern based things. And there's lovely pianos in it and you can MIDI stuff in and bring external inputs. It's a lot of features. I mean, I, it does suffer, I think, a little bit from that slightly obscure Yamaha kind of industrial design software thing where you look at it and you've really got, I mean, it's, I suppose it's no worse than Electron or whatever, where you've really got to kind of go, okay, I need to figure out how this goes. I know, Rich, you're, you know, you tend to favour the, the Roland stuff for your live performances and, you know, the, the RD pianos, which is what you generally kind of get because it's in the higher stock and it makes sense. Have you tried any of these sort of flagship Yamaha things? And because they, I, to my mind, they do sound really good. Yes, I have. Um, I spent a bunch of time investigating the um <laughs> and the mind goes blank the uh what is that the top end keyboard the, the montage yeah. um and discovered that a it would suit my needs and b it wasn't nearly as confusing off-putting obtuse and weird in terms of the software operation as previous yamaha instruments i had owned which had sort of left me moderately flummoxed and they've always been stronger for me in sample sets and hardware than they were in software just because of my preferences and the way it used to work but now it all seems to work it's coming together they've looked at a lot of other people's touchscreen technologies as one does and come up with ways to operate it mostly korg i would think but also maybe roland and come up with much more direct and simple ways to operate the thing and bring things together in a way that makes it playable on stage. It's interesting to see as relates to these products, the ModiX and ModiX Plus, the mid, what I'm calling midline workstations is how the workstation simply refuses to die. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's just <laughs> gone on for decades and decades. And now you can see that the focus has gone out of the sequencing aspects and much more into the performance control aspects. And they're including many more synthesizer engine options to try to make it feel more like a synthesizer, even where it doesn't particularly operate like a synthesizer, and gives a much broader range of usable particularly synthesis sounds because the sample side of this thing, the rompler side has been covered for a long, long history and is just continuing to get better. So that's all good. But the way they all incorporate synthesis engines now from their software offerings and things like that has made them much, much more versatile at a much lower price point. So, and you, so you've got this midline now, which is uh, Korg has something called Crone, I think. And these guys have Modex and Roland has the Phantom O series, which is not the the, fan, the big Phantom, but the Junior Phantoms. Mm. And they all do junior a Phantom. lot. I like that. Yeah. They, they all do a lot of what the flagship products do for, a, for, you know, maybe a little more than half of the cost of the flagship product. And I think that's a great market niche. They're not quite as roadworthy, perhaps. They may not have aftertouch. They may have a lot lighter, though. Yeah. Pardon? A lot lighter. Yes, they're lighter because they're, generally speaking, not made of metal um, in terms of the frames. But uh, excellent products. And this thing looks great to me, the Modi X Plus. It just looks like a ton of instrument for the money. And uh, I haven't played it but I expect it would be wonderful. And the people I know who I've recommended Modex to who have purchased them can't stop raving about them. It's a, I, I should just clarify, I did get that wrong. It's 128 voices of AWM2 and 128 voices of FMX. So, I mean, oh, only to, only 256 voices. I mean, obviously, I'd imagine with most synths like that, you get that kind of scenario where you have more than one partial or more, then it, it starts to divide down and you get less. Sure. And also, it should be mentioned that Yamaha, the Yamaha piano, the, the, the grand piano in there, you know, most places, you know, they, they can't say what it is, whereas the Yamaha can sample the Yamaha grand and they can say, 
It's a Yamaha Grand in our grand piano, which is uh, which is kind of cool. Uh, I should also point. I know we've got Nick Harris in the chat room, and he used to work for Yamaha a long time, and he's uh, he's very much of the kind of sorry same kit, different year, ADM two and FM. We did that thirty years ago, twenty years ago, etc. And that's a, certainly a viewpoint, and it's one that's you know from a unique point of view. Someone who actually used to work for Yamaha. I don't know, um, uh, Matt. Do you think that there's? I mean, I don't know whether you get workstations in at BIM where you're an educator and course director there. I mean, do you have that sort of stuff on hand or is it more, yeah. you know, more in the, in the box? Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm sure as Rich can, can contest, it, those skills are still required for onboard uh, musicians who, who are playing keys is to have that crossover between a keys player and also um, integration with um, backing tracks, tempo sync stuff, um, triggering samples, the ability to quickly jump from one voice to another. Um, you know, not only polyphony, but um, what's it called, where you can play multiple voices at once. Mine's gone blank as well. We're having a mind blank day, aren't we, today, Rich? Multi-tambrology? Multi-tambrology, thank you. Ten points to Rich. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we, know, we definitely see... That this is this is definitely um, a requirement um, out there. It, it hasn't gone away. It hasn't gone away. Yes, you could, when you're playing on stage, you could have a laptop running software and things. But again, I'm sure Rich knows much more about this. I've had my experiences with laptop on stage. I personally would prefer to have something dedicated like this, running all of that kind of thing, rather than having a separate laptop running some software, because. Um, they have a tendency to fall over. And and this one's pushing it now with things like the, the multi-channel USB audio interface, I mean, 4 in 10 out on it, which integrates straight away with your DAW. Um, yeah. that, that really stands out to me. I mean, for, for the money, if this is your world, if this is what you connect to as a music producer or as a live musician, then the fact that you get that now is amazing because gone are the days where you need to have a separate sound card all those cables coming out the back of your keyboard into your sound card that guarantee it's just doing it all in one and let's not forget everybody it's got a super knob which um, yeah well let's can, let's not forget you're, i think you're right i think that's 28 parameters simultaneously oh I, actually one thing that jumps out to me on this <laughs> nick which which I was kind of excited out, excited about. I saw it in the video briefly. I was like, "What's that? What's that? What's that?" And it's this motion sequence stuff that's going on in there, where you it looks like you can you can sequence kind of strange envelope shape or combine basic envelope shapes to make quite unusual ones, and you can loop them at different points. And for me, that's that's always been an exciting thing about making music. For me, um, I'm very much a one note and do interesting things with envelopes with the sound that that's my kind smart of thing. morph so, as well smart morph yeah um i mean rich do you do you tend to use things like motion sequences and stuff like that when you're playing live or you is yours very much kind of find a sound and, and set it if you don't mind me asking um generally speaking i'm playing programs that were that i designed before the show and uh, uh, I'm not even sure what you mean by motion sequencing, which means I'm probably not doing it. Okay. <laughs> so this, is, this is an interesting point, though. So you, you're actually in a studio. You might have been writing, recording. You're taking out, and you've got the ability to store those patches from the studio and then land them on stage straight away, which I think is really cool because you're, you're hearing what basically could have gone down on record. Would be if I were using any of the gear that I use on the, on stage in the studio, but right. so far that hasn't happened. Oh, interesting. So, um, and generally speaking, I'm translating patches from recordings that I didn't do. So, because um, very little of what we play in the Chic Show is stuff that I recorded originally. So right. I'm just making the best out of what I've got that plays well and represents the parts fairly, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's pure, it's almost purely imitative. Although some of the kinds of synthesis I have to wrangle out of these romplers is not imitative just simply because they won't do what the thing did. And I have to find something yeah. else interesting for it to do that it works musically in the context. Yeah. Is, is there a yeah. particular 
is there a particular synth that is hard to emulate from all of these that comes to mind or it's or not it, so much a particular synth sound? but with romplers you have this bank of synth patches that somebody decided are representative of what synthesizers do and you have to draw okay. from those <laughs> and combine them in in interesting ways to try to make it seem like more than what it is essentially yeah. and in some cases i've been able to do that and in some cases i now would like to revisit some of those synth patches I'm mm. using on stage because I find them pretty unsatisfactory. They're, I mean, they're about the best that this thing is going to do, but they're not what I would do if I had an actual synthesizer under my hands. And I'd like to get closer to that. Now, if I do end up upgrading my rig to include the Phantom 8, which is something I'm looking at doing, it supports a bunch of synth engines and also allows access to rolling cloud sounds. So that ah. will broaden my available palette of synthesizers tremendously. Wicked. Yeah. yeah. Cool, man. Yeah, the rolling cloud stuff. Sorry, yeah, the rolling cloud stuff, then you've got access to all of those kind of uh, 60s, 70s emulations, all haven't you? And it's just, all it's of, just yeah. there. And I guess that's what it's, was on the record. The Zencore, yeah, the Zencore engine. It makes sense for, for, for you and lots of talk because that's the idea. They're trying to create a complete It's really interesting how Yamaha, I mean, I, I know we've we've had a sort of disparaging word from Nick, but I mean, he worked there. And, I, and, and you know, we, we've seen we've seen both with the, with Roland and Korg, not so much Korg, but certainly Roland and Yamaha, you know, they are, they do tend to get accused of sort of developing one technology and then churning it out and over and over and over and over and over and over again. I suppose that Roland are a bit further down the line because their Zencore is perhaps newer than the FMX and the uh, and the AWM2, which has been around for a long time. But I think there's it, it's almost it, it almost gets to the situation where you you, you know it's it, it, it's like a, a binary argument, isn't it? It's like you're either with one or you're with another. You're a Roland per you're a cat or a dog person, or you're a Roland or a Yamaha person. For that, but I'm not that way. I'm not that right. way just in general because I think these are all really good usable instruments above yeah. the general needs of a particular situation and therefore it's up to us to make it musical as with pretty much everything including what's on matt's wall behind him and uh <laughs> you know that's it's just up to us to make make it musical in and of itself it's just a thing you know um so they're all good things you know the yamaha stuff is good the rolling stuff is good the cork stuff is good you know the nord stuff is wonderful too um you know there's plenty of good stuff out there and it's up to us to bring the music and the love and the yeah, energy. Yeah, 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 that's true. Um, just a quick facts and figures. Uh, Modi X plus six, uh, plus seven and plus eight, uh, priced at 1680, 1959 and 2239. So, I mean, there's still a chunk of change, but for compared to what you pay for uh, montage, it's it's certainly a big saving. Uh, that's yeah. UK pricing anyway. But do check, I mean, I would, I, I, I must admit, I did enjoy having one around. It's nice to be able to pick something up. And But what I found is as soon as I plug an analog synth into it, like I did with the jams, it suddenly it actually complemented it pretty well. But you could hear the difference between a tr you know the real analog thing coming in and the, the emulations. But uh, mm -hmm. they do sound pretty good. I mean, I think I think it just depends on what you need it for. You know, that's the thing. It's one of those things. But yeah, great. Uh, great. I, I we should probably uh, jump in for, with a quick word from our friends over at uh, Baby Audio. Uh, Baby Audio, of course, makes creative effects plugins designed to add color and depth to your mixes. They won plugin of the year twenty. 21 in Future Music and Computer Music Magazine, nominated for SOS Awards two years in a row. Uh, why not try out the iHeart New York 2 IHNY2 Punch Parallel Compressor VST AU AAX, engineered for modern aggressive compression sound. 44% off intro sale. I'm not sure if that's still running, but uh, do, you can still save 15% off when checking out with the code ST15, even if the sale's not running. So do check out. Uh, we do thank them very much for their sponsorship of the show. Much appreciated. Um, okay. Uh, right. Let's see what we got next. Um, we've got so many questions coming in as well. It's kind of pretty. Uh, it's pretty impressive, actually. So, I don't know where to go. There's so many topics. Uh, let's see. Let's uh, let's keep it. Uh, let's keep it. Uh, oh, wait a second. That's the one I'm looking for. Yeah, well, we've got to cover this because basically it's always big news. So uh, let's have. Uh, um, Native Instruments Complete 4. Teen is now available. Uh, this is the sort of annual release. It's, it's slightly different to uh, previous years because Native Instruments right away. If I'm searching perhaps for haven't been quite so 
stuff. innovative in like, new instruments. This seems to be a big update in terms of uh, sound packs. This is what the video seems to be going. This is various people in various genres going, wow, these sounds great. And that's what they're pushing hard here. There's been quite a lot of changes, obviously, behind the scenes with the Umbrella Company, with them and Isotope. And, you know, there's there's a lot of structural stuff going on. So I think, uh, yeah, Contact's been updated. So it's a big one, you know. It's it's always a big one. And everybody always moans because you buy it and then you get your upgrade. There's an upgrade fee. I didn't actually um, figure out what that was. I should have checked it out. If I got actually got the, uh, I've got the pricing for that anywhere, it doesn't look like I have. I'm terribly sorry. That's very amiss of me. I don't, I'm, I'm guessing, Matt, you know, at, at BIMS, you know, you probably get all of this stuff. You've probably got an education license for all of these kind of things. Because these, are the, I mean, these are the things that, that really run. Sad news that we've lost a reactor, uh, reactor though, reactors, uh, absinthe rather, is a lot gone, which, which is a real Sorry, yeah. Can I, can I answer that in a second? I just can hear an alarm going off. <laughs> I'll be right That's back. All right. Sorry. Yeah, I would. Rich, I mean, contact, the thing about the native, the contact stuff, native instrument stuff, as we know, sat, it's, it, it's record ready. It's sat, you know, the drum sounds, everything, they do sound really fine. There's, there's no denying it. Oh, you're muted as well. We're all go. Way <laughs> take a drink, take somebody. A, take a drink, yeah. Um, sorry about that. Uh, I've I used to be a regular upgrader up through I think version twelve or thirteen. I have complete, and I stopped upgrading because I didn't need it as badly, and it's I just couldn't see continuing to the 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 paths weren't so attractive as to make me jump for it. This is an interesting turn they've taken. And it makes me think, and it makes me pretty convinced that they're looking at what other people are doing. So I've listened to a bunch of their newer instrument packs on their website. In addition to the fact that they're giving away Isotope software and, and Brainworks software with the thing, um, they've got all these new packs and they all seem focused on what I'll respectfully refer to as the Spitfire market of film scoring. There's just gobs and gobs of textural, giant sounding, what I call sales floor patch focus. Right, on, yeah. patch on one. <laughs> giant things happening that you could probably never find a context for, but when you're selling instruments, sells them straight off the floor because it just sounds magnificent on its own. Um, and they've got a lot of that going on now. And I think it kind of derives from what Spitfire have been doing which is servicing a very particular textural sort of film creation audio market where you're creating keyboard patches that do very unusual things, mostly with natural sources and custom sample sets and things like that. And I see native instruments shifting their focus away from synthesizery creation like Absinthe, which they've dropped, and more focused on Spitfire-like textural gigantism and um, yeah. variety. And it, what, what it creates for me is the question is, how many people are actually doing that? I mean, maybe I'm just that far out of touch with the industry, but I just think it's probably not more than two handfuls of of people doing this but yet everybody seems to be marketing this very wonderful wonderful sounding highly textural complicated acoustically sourced great stuff towards a market that i'm just not sure there's that many people in yeah, um yeah, now yeah, yeah. god bless them because i think it all sounds great and it's fun and i think i really have tremendous respect for what spitfire has done and it seems like these guys are chasing that market with this release to some extent it makes a lot of sense because essentially you know companies like spitfire and uvi they went they were sort of forced into creating their own sample playback engines because contact licensing it was just like well it's like it's like renting your house or buying your house it's like well why do i why i just make my house and then i can fill it decorate it with the sounds i want you know so they kind of created an environment where people were, were went off and developed their own engines and then so it all became about the content and then sort of maybe native instruments were a bit left behind i know matt i mean obviously reactor was a has been a cornerstone in the development of many many instruments and i think maybe that's yeah. why absinthe uh, 
white absinthe has been dropped because that wasn't a reactor-based instrument and it would mean a parallel, perhaps a parallel kind of development. If they want continue to support it, they can't use this, you know, workflow and this development thing that they've invested so much time in. So it just doesn't make sense. But uh, it's, anyway. It's an I, interesting I, I, one. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting one, the absinthe thing, mate. And you, you might, it might be that. It might be about how that one and reactor sits alongside each other. I'm not exactly sure why absinthe's gone. Um, I think the, the gentleman who's who's been coding it, and it's his baby, he's talked about it a little bit on the internet, um, mm -hmm. but not in great detail about why it's no longer there. All I've seen on the internet is people actually quite upset about it and going, oh, what? Absinthe is really cool, and it's something that they're going to miss. It's certainly been a massively underrated synth engine for many years, and so many delightful things I've got out of it over time when I go to it and I'm like, oh, absinthe, yeah, this this crazy thing. <laughs> what can I get out of this? And bam, something happens. Um, but uh, Reactor certainly has always been there. And, of course, they developed that into Reactor Blocks not so long ago, which allows you to do that mm. kind of patching, which is, which is really good. It's sort of made that really user-friendly because before Reactor Blocks was about and you was building your own stuff in Reactor, you had to really understand a little bit of low-level kind of um, maths in a way and um, how synthesizers work on a lower level than just purely than this, just sort of the, I call this really the, the building blocks, if you like. You can go much deeper than that. But I, I, um, I am wondering about where they're going, Native Instruments, with this. And I'm certainly now out of favor of downloading gigs and gigs and gigs and gigs and gigs uh, and and to install it to get updates you have to install install it and I just don't have that room it doesn't appeal to me anymore there's, there's some wonderful sounding things within there and I'm sure if you bought the whole package you're covered in terms of you know compression EQ synthesizers drum machines you name it you've got it it's all there but um, but but it is very I don't know it, it seems to native instruments complete for many years was an exciting thing for me when it came out there was always exciting updates and i was like, oh what have they done now and polyplex came out and all sorts of interesting things and i was, I was really drawn to it but now kind of like what rich is going along I'm, I'm not sure really where that where the heading where the focus is or how many people are doing what they need from this is it a case of splitting it up and, and making more sort of smaller packs i don't know i i really like Artori's approach, you know, Artori have effects, they have uh, dynamics um, that you can get. They've got obviously the synthesizer range, um, but I like the way that they've got just enough and really well thought out pieces of kit that makes you want to download them and buy them. That's that's what I'm finding anyway with Artoria. Complete just feels quite bloated and too, I'm not sure big. why I would buy it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's an that's not to say it doesn't sound great. You know, it, it's brilliant. It does. Just, no, I mean, it's interesting. I, when you when you load, uh, like you know, I've I've worked with a few sample pack people and you know downloaded stuff. And I always remember whenever I went back to battery and loaded the sample sets in there, it's just like wow, these just sound infinitely yeah. better than you know just these kind yeah. of straight drum machine samples I'm loading into Simpler or whatever. It's just yeah. a, something about that. I suspect that there has been, maybe there have a team of people, almost like they've got uh, they've got their own Bob Clear Mountain or Bob Katz person who just everything goes through. It's mastered, and if it doesn't pass their filter effectively, it doesn't make the grade. And they turn it into this kind of thing that has a sound. And and and, and the, I guess the problem is with uh, Native Instruments, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's like you said, it's just overwhelming. You know, there's just so much of it. So two things I wanted to say about that. One, battery has a fantastic audio engine, always has. Agreed. And the yeah. stuff that comes out of the output of battery just sounds spectacular. And all of their stuff doesn't sound like that. I'm not even sure contact sounds like that, but battery has a great right. sounding audio uh, okay. And as regards Absinthe, for a long time, Absinthe is not backwards compatible. My sessions from the mid-naughties don't open because they've got Absinthe 4 in it and Absinthe 5 won't load those oh. patches. So their software is already 10, 15 years into not being backward compatible anyway. And you can't load or install a version of Absinthe 4 in anything you're running today. 
So that right. is that's, a part of it sense. I won't miss. But I did right. like using it, and that's why they're in those darn sessions that I can no longer open because Absinthe 5 wouldn't open Absinthe 4 sounds as a backwards compatible. Uh, so that was really frustrating about it. I did watch the video with the guy who wrote Abs uh, Absinthe uh, talking about his experience of having seen it going away and he's very disappointed and that's understandable. And he has a new company and he's touting what he's doing that are similar to absinthe in his new company. But I'm also sure it's not going to open my absinthe four sessions from the mid nineties and, uh, whatever, you know, since come and go, they had pro 53 in the beginning. They've had, you know, it's a remarkable yeah. thing that FM eight still runs quite frankly. And, good uh, point. Um, these things come and go and it's just how it is. And we like to think that our sessions are indestructible, but the fact is they're not. And if you don't print everything as mm. audio, you may never hear it again. Um, yeah. so it's just life in the digital lane. That's just what it is. It's, it's life. I'm not That's happy the show it. title right there. I've, I've got life it. Life in the, in the, the digital, digital lane. lane. Right. Okay. I'm writing that down. Life in the digital lane. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a good one. Got to uh, render life. down your session folks. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's absolutely. time consuming and sucks. Well, actually, it's better than it used to be because you can render them pretty quickly. But yeah, most, most of them will just freeze. The okay, track I've got that done. nice one. But, yeah, I mean, big news and also big changes. I mean, you know, they they, they obviously they, all these kind of you know boardroom maneuvering and what you know all the corporate takeovers and whatnot are, are happening for a reason because people can see further into the distance than maybe we can and they know what's coming or what's what's what what will work and what won't but yeah interesting time anyway it's available now you can go and fill your boots and uh, I, I don't know what the prices are but there's usually quite a complicated pricing structure depending on where you're coming from and what you know level but uh, yeah you can go and get all of that stuff uh, just buy yourself another hard drive and you'll be able to fit it all on there i guess so that's that's the plan right i think it's time that we had a word from our friends over at isotope um because it's that time of day. Isotope Producers Club is a one-of-a-kind membership for producers ready to take their tracks to the next level. Once you join, you'll gain access to powerhouse Isotope plugins and a curated selection of tools from our partners, such as Melodyne from Celimony. Plus, as long as you're a member, you'll get every future update to the Isotope plugins in your membership for no extra cost. We'll also regularly serve you new curated content like exclusive inspiration sparking sample packs and preset packs and industry leading training ranging from our own tutorials to vocal production lessons from the world renowned Berkeley Online, taught by Grammy winning producer and engineer Prince Charles Alexander. With new content being added every month full of valuable production techniques, tips and tricks, and solutions to common production problems, becoming a member is an investment in your career that grows as you and your career do. For more information on Isotope Producers Club, head to isotope.com. And uh, don't forget, if you head over to uh, isotope.com forward slash Sonic Talk, there's a special landing page where you can use uh, the code SONIC10 to claim 10% off your Isotope plugin purchase or any, or you could try Music Production Suite Pro for, for 30 days. So uh, we, th we thank them very much for their continued support. I have a question. Yes. Did this giant conglomerate that is now Isotope Native Instruments and Brainworks also acquire Celimony? Oh, I don't know. Is that something that's just happened? That would be a big... Well, they're offering uh, it as part of a package with Isotope. And what I'm seeing in each of those companies' advertisements is packaging together with some of the other companies' offerings. So, for example, right. the Native Instruments Pack offers you a version of Ozone 10 and also offers you a bunch of great um, Plugin Alliance Pro stuff. So these guys are in their ad talking about Celimony's Melodyne. Is, they, are, is that also, I mean, I actually know the guys at Solomony and I could ask them, but I wondered if any of us knew because it looks uh, to me like looking. they're also part of this, this uh, gigantism I <laughs> industry. I, I, it's, I'm, I'm looking at their Wikipedia page and I'm not seeing anything that indicates that, but quite often they, they'll form strategic alliances for bundles because there's a, a Solomony uh, API, which kind of works in a lot of different DAWs, so they might have a different strategy. But yeah, that's an interesting question. Don't know about that. Good. Yeah, I wonder. Good thought. 
Yeah, I don't know. That's yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, and, right. Uh, um, you've probably covered the fact that Pro Tools, after twenty twenty years after everybody else, is finally supporting ARA too. Woohoo! <laughs> ten years after, <laughs> after everybody else. Nice. Nice. Um, Let's I, have a party. Yeah. Here. Well, I, I, you know, it feels to me like we should probably get into questions because there are so, so many questions. Let's let, let's get let's get know. a couple and see and see where we're going. And this is an interesting one uh, from Nicholas Bryant. Uh, and this one is: uh, If you're all moving house, would a studio music space play a big role in your choice? Which is take it uh, away, I mean, Matt. Take it away. Well, Matt, this is yeah, this yeah. is built for you, right? <laughs> 100% definitely uh, in this day and age if you can and you've got the money up front to build a space in your back garden rather than renting you know after 10 15 years it renting you would you would have you basically paid off what it would be to to build somewhere if you can't do that um and I haven't been able to do that for many years um I still don't know if I can um I'm moving into a house that has got a spare room which will be which can accommodate in fact it's, a, it's an old garage which i can convert which is much much cheaper and if mm. you can't convert a garage then obviously you can you can convert a room and um yes yeah, so I, I looked at the layouts of the houses so if if it was going to be i was going to be producing in a room in the house it's got to have like a bathroom between the, the next room so I could make enough noise and maybe get a bungalow so there's no one above you or something like that. So, yeah, right. I very much think about it. There, there is no way that I would personally pay 500 to to £1,000 a month renting uh, a space to, to do music, not, not at the level that I'm at for sure, but I can't speak for everybody. Yeah, I have to say, I mean, during lockdown, obviously, you know, I was work when it particularly when it was hot here, uh, I was looking at um uh, I was working at home for for this kind of thing and I was thinking God, I really wish I'd bought a house that I could have set something up that would allow me to film reviews in it because then uh, much the space is fantastic and it works really well particularly when we have visitors and it's a great space and it's not you know it's not outrageously expensive for the size that we've got but now it's almost an impossibility you know my house there's no way I can adapt my house to build a space big enough to film stuff in but I sort of wish I'd maybe thought about that at the beginning but I've owned my house for so long that that wasn't really a consideration back then i bought it you know perhaps before i'd even started doing much sonic stuff mm. so it's a big difference and i think also depends where you live i mean if you're in sort of urban uh, an urban space obviously property is a lot more expensive it's more difficult to come by if you're in the country or further out of town or in a place where where land is plentiful say is in america land is plentiful i mean it's still not cheap but it means that you're more likely to be able to have a space right rich to to kind of do your thing in exactly I was going to make a point similar to this. Um, the average size of a family residential space in the U.S. is a bit more square footage than what I've observed in the U.K., for example. They're just on yeah, for sure. Not the biggest and not the smallest, but just the average family house, free, which is, first of all, most often, most often freestanding in this country, um, is some kind of often row house or duplex in the UK where the square footage is somewhere just north of half of what we have here. So given those kinds of circumstances, a garden-based studio makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. First of all, your proximity to everything else that's happening in the house is so much closer that anything you're doing in that space is going to affect everybody in the house. So if you have a family, if you have children, if you have a wife, if anybody else is in the building, they're going to be affected by your work if you don't take it outside the building. Here, I have what a, a fairly sizable, what was once a really sizable upstairs bedroom that is just sort of my man cave slash studio. And for the purposes of what I need to do, which is generally work alone with some half-decent monitoring and music creation tools, this works fine. For recording a, a band, it's not fine. And I would go yeah. out and do that kind of work elsewhere. And so I've made a decision in my life that for 90% of what I do, I can do it in this space just fine. But for the other 10 or 15%, I'm going to go elsewhere. And I've got places selected where I can go that I can get those things done when and if I need to get them done. 
So it's a practical question, and it has to do with a lot of things, your personal life situation, the size of the place you live, all of that. But I totally support what Matt's doing, which is building a studio out in his back garden so he can have a separate space from everybody and and just be creative in there. It's, it's nice to have a place to go. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, I've, I've just been doing a little bit of mixing um, outside work, uh, and I've, uh, there's a chap who lives around the corner from me, it turns out. And I didn't know. I mean, literally 30, 30 seconds walk from my house. He's got a flat. He's got a tiny little room, which he's treated, and he's got a pair of ATC SEM um, something or others in there. I don't know which ones they are. And honestly, we did a mix yesterday, and I was just like, this sounds so good. I mean, I, I can, I can, you know, in a place like that, I can mix because I could just hear everything I needed to hear. And it was just a tiny little room with some baffles and whatnot, you know, cramped, not particularly large, but it just sounded, it was a really pleasurable experience because I wasn't struggling to hear. I, I mean, this space is fabulous, but it's not treated and it's nowhere. I wouldn't mix in it. I mean, I'll have to, have, I've had to mix in it, but I, I wouldn't be able to mix in it very well because when I realised, I listened to a couple of my guide mix, rough mixes of what I did yesterday in this new space and it was like crikey that sounds terrible i don't know how i even you know so it's worth if you're going to be mixing it's really the difference between you know a nice space and a nice set of speakers i mean these speakers are about maybe seven thousand bucks a pair you know but they that sort of level of monitoring when you've got that at your disposal it's night and day it really is and it really brought that home to me yesterday i mean i've got a nice pair of genelex here i've got some focals but these atcs in this space it was just like i can hear everything that's going on i've got full control over this and i can hear all the differences that my things are making so that's one thing to think about and you know if you're going to be building but yeah absolutely i would if i was buying another place i was moving i would totally do that uh, okay, right. Uh, there's another question here. So, okay, this is this is a bit more fun. This is uh, from uh, Boheme on via YouTube. What's the oldest piece of technology used in your music making? And I suppose, I mean, I I, I think we should discount things like a drum because obviously that's been around for thousands of years. I mean, I think we have to talk maybe music technology here. It's an interesting question, and I'm I'm trying to think what my, what is perhaps my oldest. And I, I don't know what what the um, what the criteria for that is, I'm just trying to think. I, I mean, I guess some of these synthesizers I have uh, are, are old. You know, some of those are really old. I've got an MS-20. That's pretty old. I guess that's, what, 30, 40 years. So that's probably the oldest thing I own in terms of music tech. I don't know. Uh, um, Matt? Um, me. I'm probably the oldest yeah. thing. I've... <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I... If you was to really think about like the, the the technology behind this and what's going on here, uh, this goes back years and years and years and years and years. So even though these are new oscillators and filters and what have you, actually the technology behind them obviously goes back much, much, much further. Um, if you want to look at it like that, the oldest piece of gear, um, I don't know, VCS3, System 100, they, they're pretty old. Um, old tape machine. Um, you have um, a system probably, 100 do you know luckily enough actually rich in at the university i was at university of west london it used to be called thames valley university we had in the ealing film studios there there was one studio that no one ever wanted to go in and it was the studio i always wanted to go in and it had a vcs3 system 100 it had one of those rack mounts of the dx7s um, oh tx 8 yeah yeah, wasp in there. Had a couple of Kurtz files, um, and it oh, uh, and a sister analog solutions modular, and it. I was just mm. in there the whole time. Uh, in fact, I I ended up working there, and I remember rewiring the whole place to get all the C, MIDI CV working that kind of thing. <laughs> so um, yeah, I guess that sister um, old tape machines, old Neve seventy eighty. Um, that's yeah uh, preamps. That I think it's a good put my good teeth on. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, old microphone. Uh, a lot obviously. of people, a lot of people, a lot of people are saying yes. The oldest thing in there is me, uh, and uh, they're agree. That's a, that's a good line to have. I know, Rich. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? You're not really music technology though, so uh, I guess you must have some pretty old uh, mic preamps. The maybe? oldest things I have here are a Mutron phaser from the 1970s, and the and the Multimog, which is right right over there. Um, but in terms of 
what I've used, I mean, if we take Matt's conversation one step further, when I was working in the 70s at Cornell University in their electronic music lab, they had modular Moog number three. Right. Whoa. That's pretty old. Um, <laughs> yeah. And in 1972, my first synthesizer experience was with an EML 101. So that's as far back as I go with this stuff in terms of hands-on. My interest in it began before that, but um, my interest yeah. in it began with Switched On Bach on its, upon its release. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, like in Palmer probably was the next thing that, and, and early Yes was probably the next things that pushed my synthesizer interest forward. So, um, I've got an but I have a, I have a working Mutron phaser in the basement and, uh, that, yeah, I have that's a, kind of, I, I, and I have a Steinway six foot model. O in my dining room. Um, that's, yeah, do. that's gotta be, <laughs> so that we've got, uh, yeah, from, we've got an 18, 18 something Baxter. Wow. Okay. We've got, we've got, Steinway, I have. my partner's got a Beckstein upright, which is 1800 and something. And yeah. I've got a I've got a Burns yeah. split sonic uh, guitar, which is 1963. Yeah. So that's probably the very oldest nice. thing I I personally own. Uh, that's nice. uh, yeah. So, but yeah, good question. Thanks very much for that. Uh, yeah. Right, gosh, there's more. There's more. There's more. I'm just trying to find another one. Uh, uh, another one. Uh, did I actually put this? Oh yeah, here we go. There's another one from Nick Howes. Um, very prolific, Nick. Uh, Nick has via YouTube. Uh, with the M1, M2 processors now being so ridiculously fast and capable of running a Motorola M... Uh, wow, what does that say? An M... An M53XX emulator easily. Will cloning synths become more of a thing rather than emulating? That's kind of, that's the sort of thing that Nick would know because he's uh, he's been in R and D. He worked at Yamaha R and D for a long time. But that idea, I mean, I I, know, I I suppose I'll jump in with that to begin with, just purely because, you know, we see these steps in in kind of uh, modeling technology, which. Uh, which I think, if I understand, or are you talking cloning? So cloning the DSP that would have been in, a, a, you know, a Yamaha DX7 or something. So you're just basically doing a component model version of that in software. I suppose that's mm. if, if that's what you're thinking. I'm not sure if that's right, yeah, but I we see steps, don't we? We steps. We, yeah. Okay. That's how I'm interpreting it. Yeah. If if they're talking about DSP, sorry, I know you was going to say something then, Rich. Um, nice. uh, yeah, talk about DSP really within a within a computer, but. And then you've got to think about what's the difference between emulation and a clone as well. A clone essentially is like for like, whereas an emulation is this kind of looks and sounds like it, but it, it's not. It's not quite there. Um, the answer is yes. I mean that's all perfectly possible. If if things are getting more powerful, they can clone, emulate the whole shebang. The the first thing that I remember that kind of stuck out to me that did this was F expansion when they brought out strobe and cypher and i remember watching their video about how they how they uh, coded that and they did uh, point to point circuitry measurements before filters right, after so filters circuit, after the vca yeah. after the vca not just input to output but all the discrete components and essentially yeah, cloned the dsp there so um, so yeah i remember that and i think they sound amazing um, to be honest, but to answer your question, yeah, I mean, if it's getting more powerful, I mean, crikey, I mean, look at all this AI art we're starting to see coming at the visual art. I mean, oh, I lost some time there. God, I lost, yeah. I lost a lot of time there. I'm thinking, yeah, I, I, um, I, Nick's been a bit clearer about this. I think what he was talking about is the fact that they used to run on these processors, so it's literally just taking the code that used to run some of these uh, uh, digital era synths and running them in emulation in their entirety. I guess you've obviously not got the UI and you've not got the A to Ds and D2Ss. I, I don't see any problem why why that wouldn't happen. I mean, we're already seeing, you know, you see console emulations on Raspberry Pis and whatnot. So nowadays, I, I suppose some of those high, you know, like Access Virus, you know, which is uses uses the higher end Motorola's and some things which maybe use Sharks. Now on these these chips we can actually emulate those fixed dsp ideas uh, th those fixed dsps in 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 their entirety in a clone i think that's what he means so yes i absolutely uh Di stanton has has uh, uh off uh, less, given a super sticker a super chat to um for a deposit on my new house where i'll be able to have my <laughs> 
<laughs> Maybe we'll put that towards your shed, Matt, as well. We could we could split Just it. Moving costs. <laughs> that, that moving costs, all of that sort of stuff. Okay, I yeah. mean, there are. Uh, uh, we, we've got time for more questions. I mean, th- th- there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, coming, so let me see time, if I can find. Let's see if I can find another one. Uh, oh yeah, John Van Eaton. Let's have this one. Just out of curiosity, uh, so John Van Eaton asks. Um, Hiltonius, what what uh, OS are you on, Rich, or what OS is everybody oh. on? I mean, I suppose that you know that's and, and that's an interesting thing because um, there are lots of different variants. Depends where you are in terms of hardware. Um, I could go first with that, just purely because uh, I was working with somebody yesterday who was working on uh, Hackintosh. They built that's what they they run. They haven't gone to M1, and the last stable is uh, Mojave, so they run Mojave. That's their f- sort of endpoint. That's as far as they would go with that. So that's quite far back, but it's still adequate. I know the question was geared to you, Rich. So I don't know what uh, what your answer is. I suspect di- multiple different OSs, right? Yes, the um, i9 iMac 27 inch I'm looking at right now from 2019 is running Monterey. The MacBook Air that I've sort of semi decommissioned over there, the Hyatt from 2012 is running Catalina because that's the last one it will run. And the spanking new M2 MacBook Air next to me over here is running a beta version of OS Ventura. Right. So as you can see, I have no fear of (laughs) these things whatsoever. Zero. No wonder you can't get absent to load up anymore. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> well, no, that, that's been true for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, though. Matt, that. what, that's really funny. What about you, Matt? Um, I've just got, I've got the one Mac. This is my one and only Mac, and it's um, Monterey. Um, do, you know what, do you know what annoys me a little bit? Not so annoys me, but confuses me. Maybe it's partly my dyslexia, but... Um, associating a name with an OS and a version number. Uh, it's like when someone says, oh, yeah, I'm on OS 12. It's like, well, which one's that? Is that Catalina or Monterey? Or if someone says I'm on Catalina, it's like, well, what version is that? I find it very difficult to remember the version yeah, along with I've the name. No and idea. I, yeah. And that, that's just a, a little sort of like, I, I don't know. Well, but mod, modern operating is don't upgrade too yeah. soon. Um, certainly not in, in when things are in beta, personally. Yeah, that's very yeah. true. That's, that's <laughs> no really fear. True. Well, one thing, one, thing yeah. that, one thing to bear in mind here is, obviously, if you're on the latest M1 Mac, uh, then that's only going to run the latest version. And most of these auto-update, and in fact, there is actually a really nasty zero day uh, that affects iOS and Mac stuff that you should really update your iOS devices and your uh, um, OS X devices because it'll, it'll, it's a kernel level kind of access thing. It's not it's not good news. You could probably find that more information. But it's the same with Windows. I'm using Windows 10 over there on the, uh, on the PC, and that will automatically update all the time, you know, because it's sort of, once it's connected to the internet, they... They've kind of built it so they have it. And, and to begin with, that didn't work so well because they weren't as perhaps thorough as they used to be, or, or as you might be. You might say, oh, I want to wait for a while. But now what I do is if I know there's a, if it says I want to update the d- operating system, I take a snapshot of the machine over there before it happens. So if it all breaks, then I can go back to that at least and then sort of defer. But most modern operating systems, you know, it, it, it used to not matter, but if you've got anything to connect it to the internet, you really do have to keep it patched because there's some really clever and uh, malicious people out there who can access your stuff and do bad things. And it's really, yep. that's the thing that we're fighting against. You know, we might want compatibility, but if you still want to use that machine on network, you've got to be really careful, I would say. But uh, yeah, that's the, I suppose that answers that question. If I could count the number of times I've listened to people who have planted flags in technology at some point in their lives crying the blues to me 10 years later when they can't any longer get any reasonable path to modernity. Um, it's Whereas what you're doing, which makes perfect sense, which is making some – I'm running Time Machine, so I've always got working restallable backups of wherever I am. So I'm not worried about that, and that's important. But how often have I had to use it in 25 years? Very, very, very rarely, very rarely. And yeah. my shit wow. works. This M2 laptop so far is running pretty much everything I need to run in music software that I've tried on it. Now, have I tried everything and have I pushed everything and have I run scientific tests to see where it breaks down? No. 
but it's so far everything I've asked it to do, it's done. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, usually what happens with yeah, but usually what happens with these modern OSs is they just, particularly on the on the Mac side, they just say, "I'm sorry, I can't run this. You know, this won't work." Uh, rather than it'll work, but it might be a bit shunky and something weird. Nothing like the one thing I well, okay, uh, the one thing I will the one thing I will flag up about modern uh, OS X, which has been certainly for a little while now, they broke uh, RTP MIDI. Um, which is the network MIDI protocol. It just does not work properly anymore. And that is a real shame because that was, I use it, I still use it here, or used to. I mean, I use it with the PC and uh, an old, I've still got an iPad one, you know, the original iPad, which was using RTP MIDI. And I just think that's the thing that broke and they haven't fixed that. And I keep, uh, every time I get invited to an Apple briefing, which is since the person I used to deal with has left has not been very often, um, you know, I bring it up, say, and nobody's ever got back to it. It's just such an edge case, but it just doesn't work properly. I mean, Matt, was it me and you that did a, a remote, a MIDI thing? Yeah. That wouldn't work now on my laptop or on yours. That's a shame, man. I remember I was doing that and trying to figure it all out, and it, it felt so magic. And for something to go like that, I don't, I don't know, just these things obviously slide down the sort of priority list for companies as to what they're going to keep on and what they're not going to keep on, I guess, or... They just totally broke it and they don't know how to fix it, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea. Right, they one more question just, if you've all got... Oh, oh sorry. sorry. They probably Go just don't that. have anybody who's testing that and keeping them up to date on yeah. the fact that it's broken. So they just don't realize it, probably. It's just me yeah, and Nick. It seems... We're the yeah, only users well, in the I do. <laughs> We're the only, only users in the world. Of, uh, that I find that hard to believe. <laughs> Yeah, sense of bug reports. Right, we've got uh, one one last question here, which is uh, EchoCraft via YouTube. Uh, how do we feel about Roland purchasing Drum Workshop? This, is, this was actually a topic that sort of dropped in late. Um, Roland have bought Drum Workshop. Drum Workshop was, have been for a long time quite a prestige uh, acoustic kit manufacturer. You know, Drum Workshop, you know, when you see high-end drummers, they're often sort of sponsored by, you know, uh, by Drum Workshop. And now Roland have bought them, which I find really odd. I'm not sure what to make of this because Roland, as far as I know, never made acoustic drums. They've always made electronic drums. They do, however, now make drums with acoustic type shells that are triggered so they they look like real drums but they've got the so I, I i i don't know how i feel about it i mean i hope they haven't bought it just so that they can use the uh you know the the the, the work the the factory to build the shells for the electronic drum kits it'd be nice to see a uh, drum workshop mm. obviously a brand of that of that prestige stick around i mean rich you probably see them touring you know the, i don't know whether i, I don't know what uh your uh, sheik's drummer uses is it a, is it a yamaha or a sonar i don't know what drum kit style uh, ralph roll is, is a, a yamaha ralph roll endorses yamaha but um and right. that may be part of what motivates roland's decision to do this because i found it very interesting but yet we live in a culture right now where music companies are acquiring each other like seemingly every week and and joining up in conglomerates like the native instruments plugin alliance isotope conglomerate so it's not that surprising maybe they want to compete with yamaha in that area of Yamaha's business. Yamaha obviously has businesses all over the place, including motorcycles and, you know, home, you know, kitchen worktops, all, yeah. <laughs> all kinds of toothbrushes. <laughs> but included among that, it's a very successful drum business, which apparently they are now manufacturing out of China, whereas they had previously manufactured them in Japan. Um, right. DW, it makes fantastic drums, as John Van Eaton points out in the chat. And um, it's a really, really great company. I'm sure it worked out well for them, um, I guess Roland wants to be in the drum business and why not? Um, they can, they can, they're in a position probably to be venturing into these areas and uh, maybe they always want, no. And if it makes V drums less ubiquitous, that's fine with me because outside of as practice playing surfaces, I'm just not that big a fan. Yeah, well, they're everywhere, aren't they? I mean, they kind of own the electronic drum space. That's for that's for sure. I don't know. I mean, you probably have electronic drum kits and acoustic drum kits in your place. I mean, it, it's an art, isn't it, miking an acoustic drum kit? So you probably have to deal with that, you know, as part of oh, yeah. your education side of things, right? Absolutely, yeah. But again, it's preparing students for hybrid situations where you're using electronic and using acoustic drum kits. You're going to have that, um, and they respond differently as well 
So again, getting them used to that. Again, anything that we really do in, in education where I'm at, certainly where I'm at, it's about preparing them for the real world scenarios. And there's so many different scenarios. So, um, so yeah, that's why, why we have both. But um, as to regards to buying this, I, d I don't know how I feel about it. I, it could be a variety of reasons. It could be literally, like you say, Nick, it, to buy the places to, to build stuff. And that might be it. Um, it might be because they had all the chips that everyone's trying to get hold of these days, and yeah. uh, <laughs> it comes with it. They've got, they've got all the lugs. <laughs> they've got all they've the got lugs all in the, the world. All the lugs, all the skins, and all the best stools. <laughs> it's all down to lugs and stools. Yeah, that's a potential. That's a potential show title there, Rich. I, I don't know whether I, I don't think it quite lugs and stools. They have all the lugs and all the stools. Um, yeah, but thank chat. you. Vote in the chat. Uh, I don't do have access to that yet. Yeah, I used uh, yeah. to be able to, but now if there's so much going on, I need it would need uh, I need a, a, another pair of hands to do that. But uh, thank you for the questions. Keep them coming. Don't forget if you want to add any more questions, we've still got a list going, and we will ultimately have a show where we just probably just clear all of the uh, topics, and then we can start again. But they're all in there. They're all logged. They won't be forgotten. So thank you very much, everybody, for the questions. And if you do want to enter any questions, uh, remember you just type QQ. And if in between now and then, because what I do is I set up the next show um, today so you can leave a comment in the in the live next the next show which will be set up and ready to ready to be broadcast for next Wednesday but you can leave a comment in there and it should get picked up or if you want to you can tweet it uh, to at Sonic State with QQ in the tweet and we should pick that up as well it all it's all starting to come together but I it feels like we're probably uh, at the end of uh, end of our show I'm sure well if you've got a live stream Matt you probably have some prep to do um, so yeah, yeah I, I don't want to keep you from and, oh, uh, I might have to talk to you about that because they sent us one. Actually, they sent us one for review, and I I haven't reviewed it yet, so I might talk to you. Oh, I, I know that. Yeah, <laughs> seeing as you're oh, not. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we should maybe <laughs> talk about that. But um, I was going to say I've got to tune this, but you don't really because it's just like one dial and uh, 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 yeah. So yeah, looking forward to to doing something with this. Um, I don't know what's going to come out of it. That's the beauty of doing live streams and and that kind of thing. But. If you do join me later on, you can ask some questions about it, I guess, in real time. And um, and I've got I've got the rack down here that I'm actually going to use as well. So you'll be able to see me patching it from scratch. So um, yeah. hopefully I'll see you later. About half past yeah, six, seven-ish. Okay, nice one. Nice one. Thanks for that. And, of course, uh, Rich, how lovely to see you. I hope you have some more restful days ahead of you before you've got to pack your bags and head out on the bus again. No? Okay. You're going tomorrow, are you? All oh, right. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm sure you've had a restful day, at least one, I did. maybe, right? I did. A, a few, actually, in a row. And uh, I'm oh. quite looking forward to playing on Friday, even if it is on the floor of an auto show. Um, no, no, I have no idea what it is, but it should be fun. I think it is an auto show. It's in Detroit. And uh, I love playing in this band, so I have no complaints. Yeah. Great stuff. Great stuff. Well, thank you one and all. And once again, big congratulations to Paulie and Rebecca for their boy, Fen, uh, in the world. Welcome to the world, Fen. Uh, anyway, we'll see you all. Oh, we're going to get... We get some baby tunes on the way out. That would be nice. Oh, you've been playing anyway, lovely. When you play the theme. Those are the first. Ah, two okay. Theme. You yeah, I think they are. I can't remember what they were now. But uh, thank you very much, everybody. That's, that's it for this one. week. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps, a, yeah, a little bit atmospheric for a baby tune. It might scare them. You never know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, anyway, lovely to see you all. Uh, and thank you very much uh, for your continued support and all of you. And don't forget, if you're on Patreon, you might see your name go past in a bit. That's it for this time. See you next week. Bye.